Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. Holy God, were the bulls awful. It didn't rain jump shots. It hailed. They were brick. And the bulls just look flat. They have injuries. Yes, no excuse, though. How far will they go? Here's how you don't get into the... The, Here's how you play yourself out the of the play-in. Play that's exactly. That's it. Oh, Cleveland's coming in hot. Max Struess, 59-footer at the buzzer. Struess from midcourt. Oh, 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 do you believe this? 45. But, but let me ask you this question. Okay. Who makes more threes in this game? Huh. Is it Max Struess, your beloved friend Max Struess, who went... Struess on the loose! And the Bulls. Well, who I want to make more threes and who will make more threes. Same guy, Struess. He's going to have seven more tonight. Bulls are going to be six for 31. Loss. Put that Struess juice in it and knock it back. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw. 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. I listen to you on the way to work every morning. I appreciate all the work you guys do. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670. The score, the Bulls, a big winner. A big winner in double overtime last night, 132 to 123, because that's the NBA, baby. That's what happens as you march through an NBA season. You beat a team that you've lost to seven consecutive times because... You just lost the game to a team you should have beaten, but you lost it twice this year. Morning, weird, morning. weird Yes, league, very weird night. Good Thursday morning. The Bulls follow up the worst loss of the season with yeah. maybe the best. Pretty maybe good the one. best. Yeah, good one. Well, they definitely were shorthanded. They definitely oh, yeah. were playing the, one of the better teams in the conference after a two-for-29 performance from three. It wasn't like they lit it up. No, they were 13 to 37 yeah. from three. But my guy Struess was three for 10. So thank you, Brandon, yeah. for pointing out that bad prediction once again. Yeah, you put the Malecki on him. I think I did. You did. But I, I mean, look, he, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan said he was up till six in the morning trying to figure out how they lost to Cleveland. That one bothered the hell out of him. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. He played 48 minutes. Last night, DeMar DeRozan is leading the league in minutes. That's crazy. And you know who number two is? Kobe White. Well, Kobe still has some shooting issues. He was uh, 14, 12 assists, 8 rebounds. He played 50 minutes, but he's not hitting shots. Two for 13 from three-point range. That's a little rough. That's not good. But they came back. But Andre Drummond was there to clean up those misses. Well, when you have 74 rebounds. It means you missed a lot of shots, but you were in the right place at the right time when they were caroming off the the rim. Drummond had 25 rebounds. The the Bulls as a team had as many rebounds as what? Since 2015, 2016, something like that. It was ridiculous. Historic night at the United Center. Who knew? Yeah. 
Who knew? Who because saw that coming? I didn't see that coming. I thought the Cavs were going to take care of business. They were coming in uh, after an emotional victory themselves. Yeah, they hit a mid-court shot. Bulls, it was so lucky about Cleveland. Bull, you like Cleveland? I like the way they are put together. I, I like that I'm team. Joking. Yeah, doing it. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm like going to Cleveland on vacation. They blew that game last night. They blew that game last night because they fouled DeRozan, <laughs> taking the three at the end of regulation. He hits all three free throws, and then double overtime took forever. Speaking of Cleveland, uh, LeBron James uh, scored some points late. Did for you see the that? Lakers. Yeah. They had a fourth quarter. Oh, my gosh. They're down 15 late in the third. They come roaring back. Another Cleveland reference. A lot of Cleveland references Because he left Cleveland, too. He left Cleveland. Cleveland sucks. Cleveland rocks. Boy, the Bulls were something else, though, last night. Yeah. What do you you make of this group? Because Ah, who cares? I think how many people. They're in, they're out, they're here, and now they're gone. Do we know Batim's first name? Yeah, it begins with an O. He's O-B. O-N-U-R-A-L-P. He is his third NBA game. Essentially, yeah. the first time he contributed in 13. He played first 27 points. minutes. Mm-hmm. And he had 10 points and six rebounds. And people are like, who's that? There was no Caruso on top of, you know, Patrick Williams' foot. And I, I, what was the other thing that came out yesterday? Caruso's oh, birthday, he, he Lonzo couldn't play. Ball can't sprint. Uh, Come on. We don't need to mention that. I, I can't help I, it. I, I I chuckled at when that came across my little viewpoint. I was like, ah, that yeah, that was that all will that, be well. That, that was the update. Not raise your hand if you're surprised. No, at anything that setback after setback. He hasn't played in two years, and he Move, can't sprint. Mo- moving that, on. Other than that, yeah. Bulls. Uh, I I can't get over the rebound totals now. They were they shot forty percent from the field. Yes. So doing the math, they hit forty four field goals and one hundred ten shot attempts. So there were sixty six misses by them. Yeah, but they also can rebound offensively. I yeah, I, but then the 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 Cavs. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the Bulls missed sixty six shots. Okay, I'm just saying that this is like an SAT, yeah, you know, story if, test. If the yeah. Bulls miss 66 shots, you're on a train, and the Cavaliers miss 59 shots, missing 66 shots. How much did the Bulls out rebound the Cavs if they had 74? Hour with six stops, how long will the jerk? That'd be one of the questions they they tell uh, give quarterbacks at the NFL Combine. <laughs> yeah, if you can answer that, okay, fine, we'll draft you. What was that test? You remember that test? The Wonderlick test. No, no, there's a new test. They had a new test last year. Yeah, it wasn't uh, good. Yeah. CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud yeah. flunked it. Stay away from that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's never going to work out. Oh, you know, he didn't do well on the cognitive distance measuring test. Uh huh. Uh, yeah, you know, the Bulls' big win. That's a big win because they had such a bad loss. Does one make up for the other? Look. They're th- now they're what three games under five hundred. They need to start stacking some games, and I got I got my doubts about whether it's going to start on Friday when they play the Bucks. Nothing that happened last night should make you feel better about what they're no. going to do against the Bucks. This is a team that is uh, wildly inconsistent. Yes, and this is this is what they they're they're highly entertaining. This is who they are. You go to the United Center. You're going to leave 
after having you're not going to be bored. You're either going to be frustrated because they blew a game they should have won, or you're going to be really, really excited because they won a game they should have lost. It's kind of either and, or. And, and, I mean, tell me there's not something special going on with the Bulls. They got 23 games left. They got Mike Jordan number of games left. Okay. What? Yeah, what? <laughs> what is right? You know who's really impressive, uh, though? I, uh, I think has come on the second half, been more of a threat and consistently such as Io. I, yeah. I've well, really been pleased, and they've got to really take credit for – they deserve credit for – the way he's developed into more of a scoring threat. Mm. He's doing a lot more things more regularly. And he played 47 minutes and was a force. I, I'm, aren't you a little surprised how good he is at this stage of his career or not? Um, you know, no. No? Okay. No, I, I'm not. You think I'm overstating that? A little bit. Okay. Here's the thing. You know, Kobe White took a huge step forward and we gave them a lot of credit and mm-hmm. wow, they knew something that this was going on. Now he is about, he's shooting poorly. He is really cold. So did they make a bad decision on Kobe white? Do they, do we take back whatever we were saying about him? I just think this, these are the kind of vicissitudes of NBA seasons. And I think that of late IO has been a lot better, maybe coinciding with the fact that Kobe is struggling shooting. Right, mm-hmm. I just don't know that these are independent factors within games. It just seems like that's the NBA. And then at the end of the year, you look at a guy and you say whether he had a good year or a bad year. There I, are hot spots within it. And that, I would look and at it's it as hard to. Yeah, it's, hard to, it's fair enough. It's just hard for me to say. That's okay. Yes, the corners turned. Yeah, and, I, and, and, but I mean, he's done well. I'm well, not I, I would look him. at it this way. This is way. This is the way I do look at it. I, when Zach Levine went out that open up the the door for a lot of t- people to take not a lot of people a small group of players to take advantage of opportunities right kobe white did for a while and now he's cooled off since the all-star break right. shooters are going to hit streaks like that yeah i don't think io is a streaky shooter as much as he is a, a versatile potentially you know he's he can, done well he can hurt you in a lot of different ways offensively for, for a guy that came into the league the way he has he's done very well and he's going to be able to play defense that's always going to travel well with him so i think that he's a try hard he's guy. taken advantage of zach levine's absence and made himself more valuable and his and he's helped his career quite a bit this year but i mean you, you know the abstract failure is what we talked about when the bulls lost to detroit and now they win a game in double overtime, and we're kind of, ooh, hey, have you noticed this? It's just, it's all the same thing. It's just the kind of, again, well, as a team, I'm not, as a team I'm not over the top. But I think right. individuals within that team structure can stand out. I think Io does. Andre Drummond has, but he's a guy that has been a big surprise this year. Uh, okay. And you I, don't know what you have in him, but you, you have a veteran who's really. As a starting NBA player, mm-hmm. Io's the guy I'd want to replace. If I if it was the best of all worlds, and I think there's a lot of those on the Bulls, I just I, I that's my problem with with getting too over the top over someone. I think it's good too to give Billy Donovan a little credit too, since Patrick Williams, Tory Craig's been hurt. The fact the yes. pairing of Vucevic and Drummond, Drummond showing. I mean, the NBA has changed now, but he's still putting up like the same. If you give him minutes, he's putting up the numbers he was putting up with when he played in Detroit. Right. I mean. 20, what was it? He have 25 rebounds? 26 rebounds. Now, you know, one of them was on a free throw that he bobbled out of bounds. There was like another one where 
someone slapped at the ball and it fell out of his They're all line drives in the, in the box score. Well, that's my point. That's yep. my point. They're all line drives in the box score. He's a, you know, they won he, the game. That's seems like he's been around forever. He's only 30. He's young compared to how old he looks and you slash think he is. Yeah. I mean, he, fe- it feels like he's about 38. He was the ninth overall pick of the 2012 draft. Right. So it's he's been around for quite a while. He has been a max player before. He's been a, all around the block, and now he's a good guy to have in the lineup. And I do like the way they've paired him with Vooch because Vooch fouled out. Did you see? I have not seen Vooch express as much frustration he after he fouled out. sworn Serbian. <laughs> he let he out was a throwing Serbian a towel. Curse. He was pounding the towel against a chair. That's always going to wow. be a good way to channel that frustration. Are you sure he wasn't cleaning it? No, he wasn't. No, he, Foul drill. He was into that game. They came back and somehow won that game. I don't know how they did it. So, yeah, you're not going to get carried away. Larry Rothschild I, stood proudly watching him. Foul drill. I get it. Okay. I get it. I, still I, I'll just forget the point I was making. I, I'll talk. Larry Rothschild. Yeah, good, good win for the Bulls. I'm curious. Dustin, can I ask you a question? Sure. What is the Giants' record in spring training? Do you know? Off the top of my head, no. They're 0-3. Well, Craig Council would tell you that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But you gave the White Sox record. You said the White Sox in the pregame fell to 1-5. Well, it was, it, was pointed out, it was pointed out in the story that I was reading that they were 1-5 in Cactus League play. But, yeah. I, but I think you gave that record because you anticipate – that this is a good indication of how bad they're going to be. <laughs> wow. See what I'm saying? No. Like, you don't think the Giants are going to be that bad, so you never mentioned well, I, I Winless and Cactus I don't League. report the Giants on the local, <laughs> I'm just the saying, local show. He brought up. Playing. We're not in San Francisco. One in five, but he said one in five, and he said they fell to one in five. Yeah. It, but, I also but, said they're looking for their second Cactus League win this afternoon when they take on the Royals. But we know, what's the Royals record in Cactus League? But we know. I'll tell you tomorrow after they probably yeah. beat the White Sox. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, we know the Sox aren't going to be good, and that's why you included their record. No, it's not. Because as you just said, Craig so Council, moving, so Craig forward, Council says the record doesn't on the matter. Game show, we should not report. The, should we give the score of the Sox? No, no. Game? I think we should only give their record because it's an indication of how their season's going. That's what you're implying by giving the record. Yes. No, let's you're assuming that's what I'm implying. I'm just that those are the facts. Those okay. are the facts. It's, right. it's, it's What are not, the Cubs? It's not an it's not an what opinion. What are the Cubs in in spring training? They're about 500. They're 3 and 2. So they're about 500. They're 600. I'm just saying. It, it, just, I, what, what, it was it, curious that you listen, chose to give a record. I was just wondering why. We could, because we could, of Craig Council saying that it, the record doesn't matter. We don't could, know what people are working I on. Am just, listen, I, it's very clear. I am just a producer, okay, that's been made crystal clear. It, I'd be happy to play a 20-minute interview back, okay? All right, let's move on. I don't know what yeah, that let's move I'm on. Just, I was just curious. Of, it means yeah. that I'm a producer, and we could play, We don't have to give the record of the White Sox who play in Chicago. Oh, I, I only ask because I think that the White Sox spring training is indicative of how bad they're going to be, and I thought you were implying that when you gave their record of, a, you know, again, no one remembers who wins spring training. I was just curious. You, you don't think that's indicative of how bad they're going to be? I I have no idea. No, I mean the the, the Chicago Bears were zero and four in the preseason when 
they won the Super Bowl and dominated everybody. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Tomorrow <sighs> on the pregame show, we will have the Giants spring training record and a full recap of the game. Maybe they win. Maybe that's where it turns around. Leap year. Leap year. Yeah, today's leap year. That's right. February 29th. Did you like hearing uh, Cody Bellinger? Was it weird to see him sit between Jed Hoyer and uh I really like seeing Boris? Cody Bellinger. I think he's a sight for sore eyes for a lot of Cub fans. I think he has uh, that personality trait that makes him easy to be around at all times, and he mixes with a lot of different groups. I like hearing for Judd Hoyer. I think he had a right to be up there because he got the job done and he brought back the best player on that team. I have no idea what Scott Boris was doing there. Yeah, that was strange. I have no idea. He was kind of making some Boris jokes, and he was kind of – he did like a really big double take when asked if uh, if the Cubs were going to make another move with one of his they, free agents. They gave him a forum, and I'm not quite sure why. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being critical of the Cubs, mm. Cubs fans. I, I really – it doesn't it, – bottom line is all I care about is that Cody Bellinger is wearing number 24 this year, and he's going to be either in center field or first base. However they want to present him or bring him back or throw him a party or bring in his agent to pacify, whatever, I don't care ultimately. But – as someone who has been around a lot of these press conferences and seen a lot of guys come back into the fold, I don't know what Scott Boris's purpose was on Wednesday in Mesa when they bring back Cody Bellinger. And it was maybe a gesture of uh, respect or professionalism. Cubs went, and went above and beyond, though, in giving him that platform. Didn't have to do that, especially how much he talked. He he also we have audio from the from the post interview session. He I mean he he talked to, not only at the podium but then he did a little powwow. On he the might side. still be talking. I mean he had a lot of metaphors to introduce and try out. He got new material. He's got new writers. Yeah, <laughs> he's on tour. The yeah. Scott Boris Boris uh, Boris Four tour. Cody Bellinger signed. I think that was part of it. You have. Three more guys that are he has to get in camp. Maybe, maybe the Cubs sign one of them. I doubt it. But I thought it was odd that Scott Boris had as big of a role in that press conference as he did. Well, I, I think given the short term nature of the contract, I also thought it was really interesting that um twice, I believe, there were questions regarding, you know, the the soft uh, ball and play stuff. And um, I saw soft contact, soft contact. Yeah. And I thought uh, Bellinger handled that well and talked about the faith he has in himself. But Boris took a minute to jump in and just discredit all those numbers because they didn't look at what the count was at the time and how he was being uh, he was he was changing his approach with two strikes on him. Uh, over the course of the year, that's why the contact was with balls in uh, bad balls in play with Fine. softer contact. Like he just Fine. he wanted to make a point I, I to know. the rest of the league that's, almost, right? But, but why do the Cubs give him that platform in that setting? Well, it's his. I this mean, was a happy moment. He delivered the player, I guess. And now is that why? I think I think he lost he lost the negotiation, and the Cubs let him come and 
give his side of the story, I suppose. I thought it was a grand gesture by the Cubs, the ultimate professionalism to give Scott Boris a speaking part in that capacity at that press conference. Can you think of you've can yeah. you think of an agent having that large of a role at a press conference over uh, the signing or of a player um, that you're not, retaining? Not in that circumstance. Not not. I mean, first of all, Scott Boris has a, a huge presence over the game without question. Yeah, but. Um, you know, this has been a difficult, and I, I, you know, we can call it collusion, whatever, but there are, you know, the White Sox aren't the only team that doesn't want to deal with Scott Boris. There are a lot of teams that don't want to deal with Scott Boris. The, the, the Dodgers, the, the Dodgers would have preferred to, to avoid dealing with Scott Boris with Cody, Cody Bellinger because he would have right. probably been signed in December. Right, right. <laughs> and I just... Yeah, it, 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 it was interesting that he was it's there. It's an interesting detail. And we had, we had raised that point yesterday. We talked about whether or not he would be there. And and um, it's a it's a interesting question. Why was he there? It's like interviewing the losing coach. <laughs> I guess when he walked into, into the facility, Craig Council ran over and said hello to him. Did you see that? I did not see that. And he said, oh, I thought you were going to bring Montgomery with you. He, like, made a joke. Like, everyone has a joke to make. Mm-hmm. But um, are they all jokes? I mean, wouldn't that have been good if Montgomery was there? Council's too? kind of funny. Council's got a good sense of humor, right? I like I like his sense of humor, and I I think that so far, everything that you've seen and heard from Craig Council has been positive from a Cub fan's perspective. And that that's the latest. I, I did get a chuckle out of that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's just stuff like that is baseball banter, and I think we all enjoy inside the game a little bit, right? That kind of stuff's pretty fun. I also enjoy seeing Jordan Wicks throw uh, as he did. He had a good start, right? Yeah. yeah. Two strikeouts, He's three innings. Good. Making his case for be that fifth starter if they don't sign one of Scott Boris's other clients. If Blake Snell's not coming to town, Jordan Wicks can be your fifth starter. Hmm. That would be good. It's interesting. Just a very interesting – I, you know, and and I I think that the question should stand: Are you done with this guy? Like, why 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 would you be done with this team with this guy? It, I get it. You know, you're running out of time, and you're getting toward camp. But couldn't couldn't the players that he represents the you know the remaining three of the four, or the or the if you count J D Martinez the four that remain wouldn't uh, wouldn't some of those guys be able to help major league baseball teams no doubt about it i mean they're the three of the top four free agents that are available outside of otani and there's otani and then there's the boars four and there's everybody else right so i don't know though that giving him a seat at the table for a press conference is going to make him more likely to no I, matt, I, I lower the no. price of matt chapman oh i i didn't mean to imply that i just i all i'm asking is when the question well it's getting late and we get but you still have money. Why not? I mean, why not get better? Get better every second you can, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the whole point That's of the, idea. the operation? All right. All right. We got all the big stories of the day. We're going to pick them all apart. And we'll do that next with the pick six. It's Mully and Hall on the score. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's Pick 6 with Molly and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Molly Haw. Pick 6 with Molly and Haw starts now. What did you make of the Bulls' quote bounce back game against the Cleveland Cavaliers? Are you buying the loss to Detroit as an outlier now, or is that pretty much an accurate portrayal of what this team is? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that the um, I thought the Detroit game was a, a fairly accurate portrayal of of who the Bulls are, and I thought last night was also a fairly accurate portrayal. I mean, they, they, they played really hard in one game, and they didn't in the first one, and that's why they lost. And, you know, they, they don't shoot well. That's not a shocking uh, reality, 2 with 29 from 3 in the loss. They, they just didn't play well in that game. They didn't seem to, to really uh, gear up and, and give it the old uh, college effort. So I think that's why they lost that game. The Bulls are a wildly inconsistent team. They were really entertaining. Last night, that was a fun game to watch, and it get, gets the double overtime, and they pull out a, a victory against the team they had lost to seven consecutive times. I, I, I think it's the NBA. I think you can you can be a team that that can lose to Detroit one night and beat Cleveland the next. I think that's just the nature of sort of uh, of the league itself. Weird things happen over the course of a season, and the Bulls are are a wildly inconsistent team. Um, I, I, they've got some good things about them, but their, their record is their record for a reason. They started the season 4-15 and 15 for a reason, and they've been trying to overcome that since then, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do it in the last 23 games of the year. But the, it's, the, it's the vicissitudes of any NBA season, the ups and the downs, and you would prefer them to be more consistent, but they're not. I think wildly inconsistent is a great way to put it, and it's always interesting to see what a motivated NBA team can do. I think the Bulls faced the Pistons at just the worst time. They were totally furious over the non-call in that game against the Knicks, and they came in, ticked off, and they took it out on the Bulls that night who kind of assumed that it's the eight-win Pistons. We'll just go through the motions and win this game, no problem. And then they were motivated because they took a night off, right? And they took on a Cavaliers team that really doesn't need that game on a Wednesday in Chicago in February. They didn't need that game. So wildly inconsistent. It's just wild when one NBA team is motivated that does not have nearly the talent as the other team. The Cavs are a far superior team on paper, but wildly inconsistent and crazy how that happens. This is what mediocrity looks like. One night you are losing to a team that has nine loss with nine victories all season long 
and the next night you are beating the second best team in the Eastern Conference. One night you're breaking hearts, the next night you're making them race. This is the Bulls, 2023-2024, injuries and all. I don't think there's any predictability about this team, but I wouldn't get necessarily carried away after last night. It was great to watch. 74 rebounds. DeMar DeRozan playing 48 minutes. You see Io and Kobe come through with clutch plays. This was a lot of fun. They're always a lot of fun until maybe they disappoint you at the end or maybe like last night they come through in the clutch. They did that without Alex Caruso. They did that without a lot of players we know have been out for a while. But the 24-hour stretch between the Pistons game and the Cavaliers game, that is a microcosm of this season. Very low lows, and there's a few highs along the way, but this is still a team that is capable of playing themselves out of the play-in round, and if they do play in and they win, then they earn the right to be swept by the Celtics. So this is going to be something that uh, you look at and you think, all right, enjoy it while it lasts because they at least are highly entertaining while they're being wildly inconsistent. No, it's a valid question, uh, certainly on the minds of a lot of people. That's the voice of Casey Johnson. He'll join the guys at 7 this morning. Did you enjoy hearing Cody Bellinger's response to being asked if his return to the Cubs had anything to do with unfinished business after last year's late meltdown? That's that's it, honestly. I mean, we were so close last year. Really got banged up towards the end and, you know, fought, fought till the very end. We got so close and... You know, for me to come back here with the almost the same team, you know, to experience playoff in Chicago is something that I want to do and it's something that I want to experience. And it's, you know, big part of the reason why I did want to come back here. Did you enjoy what you heard out of Cody Bellinger yesterday at Cubs camp? Yes, I did. I enjoyed every word, every sentence, every smile. I like the hat backwards. I like the casual approach. I like everything about Cody Bellinger because – He was saying it in a Cub uniform at the Cub complex. He was there in the fold, soon to be in the field again at the plate, doing what he did last year. Belly's back, and that is good news for every Cub fan, every Cub player, every Cub executive. This makes them legitimate contenders for the NL Central. This makes them probably better than the 83-win team that blew it down the stretch if they can stay healthy. There's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. There's a lot of ifs. They can, in, associated with the Cubs' health and other players have to come through. But all of the conversations and all of the hope, they're, they're always based on one premise. Cody Bellinger would return. And yesterday that was made official. So the more he talked, the, the wider Cub fans smiled. And the more Scott Boris talked, the more I thought, well, what's he doing here? We'll get to that later. But, yes, everything Cody Bellinger said was a positive. Yeah, and he's motivated. He was motivated last year after the Dodgers had kind of given up on him and nobody else had signed him, and he's going to be motivated again because there is that huge potential contract out there for him if he can uh, replicate what he did last year. So, as you said, David, great uh, great day to be a Cub fan. Yeah, you know, I thought he did great. I really did. I, I thought that was a wonderful answer, and – Man, they were close when you think about last year. God, that was such a fizzle. And and they were, you know, they did. They were tired, and they ran out of relief pitching. And, you know, we all know what happened. Um, and it was close to being a great 
success, but it wasn't. So the idea that he's he's coming back and he wants to uh, he wants to get it done um, this time, be in the playoffs in Chicago. I, I don't know who wouldn't want to hear that. I thought it was uh, it was great stuff that that he had to say, and I thought that. Um, you know, it was a good question and a good answer, and I think everybody feels that way. I also like I liked the way he talked about um, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. I thought that was really classy, and he, it was genuine. And I like that he's excited about council. I, I thought – and he said something like it's almost the same team, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Why was Scott Boris at the table with Jed Hoyer and Cody Bellinger when the Cubs held that news conference on Wednesday? Was that an olive branch extended by the Cubs or grudging acceptance of Boris's role in the game? It's a good question. I, I, I don't I think, you know, Scott Boris probably can't resist a chance to get in front of the the lights and make his his uh, turkey and uh and thermometer reference, and and boy, they they seem to get a chuckle out of it. Both Jed Hoyer and uh, Cody Bellinger really enjoyed that he uh, used that terminology. And the guy can, you know, I'm probably prepared, but a metaphor nonetheless. And that's that's fun stuff. So, uh, not sure why Scott Boris was there. I I think his role in the deal was done. Maybe a reminder. Uh, to other teams, he did jump in with that bit about the soft contact that was interesting. And um, I, I I don't know, you know, unless he's just there and he wants to kind of hang around and take his moment, I, I don't know why he would need the uh, close-up, Mr. DeMille. I, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing there. But um, the guy still has some clients to sign. There's still some work to be done. I, I mean, keep talking. Keep keep getting better. I wouldn't stop now. Don't stop now, boys. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. I think the, the, the two parts of the answers given in the question. But at the end of the day, Scott Boris still represents a lot of really good baseball players. So you do have to even sometimes bite your lip and just go ahead and – we asked yesterday – I don't know if it's during this segment, but we, we asked yesterday. Yeah. You know, we expected Boris to be there, and I thought Boris would have like either a moment like before the press conference, away from that setting, right. or after the press conference. I, I didn't think he'd be sitting shoulder to shoulder. I mean, I expected Carter Hawkins to be up there, not Scott Boris. Well, I mean, right? Scott Boris might have a higher title than Carter Hawkins and the Cubs management no, no, right now. But I'm now. just saying, if you would ask me if there were going to be, if you had said beforehand, uh, okay, there's going to be three president. people up there, who's it going to be? I wouldn't have guessed Scott Boris. I Tom Ricketts, Jed Hoyer, Carter Hawkins, anybody but the agent for the guy that you brought back and the agent with whom you called out just 10 days ago. That's what I like. I like Tom Ricketts calling out Scott Boris. I'd like that adversarial little public uh, back and forth. That's okay. It worked. Cubs won this one. That doesn't mean they're going to win the next one. I don't think they want to get cocky with Scott Boris. I mean, it is Hoyer one, Boyer's uh, Hoyer one, Boris zero. Bellinger's back. That's all that matters. I was surprised though. I don't know. The more he talked, the more I wondered. Why is he talking? Why is he still talking? This isn't his press conference, is it? He lost. He's the losing coach. I, I just don't know why he was. 
saying all that he was saying. I respect his place in Major League Baseball. He's a power guy. He he is the most powerful agent in in baseball. And I and I think I respect Jed Hoyer being professional enough to give him a seat at the table. But from a from from our standpoint, whether I'm a fan or a member of the media, I had the same reaction. What is he doing there? You know, you normally when a guy signs, the agent's job is over. Was this a reminder that it's basically a one-year deal, and that and that you got my guy, but I want all of baseball to know he's back on the market. Probably next so, year. but why would the Cubs be party to that? I. I don't know. Why, why would the Cubs be complicit in reminding people of that? Yeah. Why would they give him that courtesy, professional or otherwise? I just don't think they needed to do it. I I don't think there's is it, it's ever bad to be uh, extremely professional and have that professional courtesy, but I do think this was maybe going over the top a little bit. Oh my God, that's a great question. That's the voice of Mark Grody. He will be here this morning live from the Indianapolis Scouting Combine. Would you be disappointed at this point if the Bears don't draft Caleb Williams? Has it gotten that far in the process? Yes, it has gotten that far. I would be disappointed if the Bears do not end up with Caleb Williams. I think that we aren't privy to all of the background checking and if they have checked in with his seventh grade biology teacher yet or what his role was in you know, the, the local why, whatever it was, whatever they do, those are things that they're going to do the due diligence. But what happened yesterday was significant. Caleb Williams answered a lot of questions via Pete Thamel on ESPN that people have been holding information that people wanted to know and have been holding against Caleb Williams sight unseen, unproven, unfounded, unfair. Now we know he has no problem with playing for the Bears. He is going to speak on Friday. He wants to be great. He loves Chicago. He'd love being a Chicago Bear. He had invoked the names of Walter Payton and Michael Jordan. He loves deep dish pizza, whatever. That doesn't matter. Dustin, don't get hung up on that. But I do think what happened was he lifted a lot of, he removed a lot of the doubts that maybe existed. He answered many of the questions that people had. And he also raised those expectations. So now I have it in my probably balled up in my pocket. I'm in the, the virtual Sonny Weaver uh, every day. Caleb Williams, no matter what, if you're the Bears. And if it's anybody but Caleb Williams, I think it's going to be a disappointing draft. This might shock people. Hold on to your hats. If the Bears are going to draft a quarterback, then it better be Caleb Williams. It, it, I don't want it. There's also some talk. Like, That's are a pretty we sure, sturdy limb there, buddy. Are, are we sure that, it, that Caleb Williams is the guy? Is there any chance that they could go crazy? Right? No. No, it's either Caleb Williams or stick with Justin Fields and build around him. If you're going to trade back a little bit and then draft a quarterback and get some assets. But, you know, going back to the whole Justin Fields, why – why would the Bears get rid of the entire offensive coaching staff other than the tight ends coach or the assistant offensive line coach if Caleb, if Justin Fields was the problem? I heard that asked yesterday by Lewis Riddick on ESPN because they both were bad, because they both were disappointing. You can be both. Okay, that's be, fair. Yeah. I'm, just saying, I'm, just, I'm just saying, but if, if you're going to draft, if the Bears are going to draft a quarterback – then yes, I would be disappointed 
if they drafted a quarterback other than Caleb Williams. But I still would love to know what the Bears are being offered for that pick, if anything. Well, I think it's a really interesting um, thing that you ask there because I think there's a couple of things. Caleb Williams talked and he answered a lot of questions. He's going to talk on Friday. He'll answer a lot more. He's not going through any of the medical stuff in Indy, which is curious. He doesn't want to do any of it. He, he's you know, he's going to get drafted by one team. He doesn't think the league needs to know all his medical information. You know, this is part of the pushback that his father talked about with the draft process. And, you know, again, this is an NIL guy coming into the league with $10 million. This is not a, a regular college quarterback coming into the league. This guy's been paid before, and he's going to – He's, there is an element of rewriting some of the rules here. And, you know, the reason they have the combine in India is for the medicals. He's not doing the medical stuff. That's, that's, that is, I don't think that's a red flag. I don't think he's got any major issues or injuries or anything like that. It's just different. It's just a different type of thing. The other thing, did you see the teams that he's talking to? So he's talking to the Bears, obviously, in Washington, his hometown team. That's one, that's two. But he's talking to Minnesota. They're like picking 11th, right? He's talking to the Jets. They got Aaron Rodgers, and they're picking 10th. I'm just curious as to how this list of teams, what it is with this group of teams that he's going to be interviewing with. If if the Bears are taking him number one overall, does that mean one of these teams are going to come charging up and try to get him? Does that mean that there's there's a chance that he could slip past the bear? I, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I mean, really, he should come to the combine, talk to the bears, or he doesn't even have to come to the combine if he's not doing any of the medical stuff. Does that mean they're not going to measure him? Does that mean we're not going to know his exact height and weight? And I all think that there's stuff? certain things you have to take part in, though. I think the, I, the measurements. I thought the medical was one of them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the medical. I've never the, heard of a player not doing any medical. Yeah, I, I also think that, like, the teams that he visit, visits with, or, you, you use those meetings for a lot of different reasons. I agree. And you never know your second contract or you don't know relationships with people, et cetera. You also want to make statements that might be bluffs if you're the Vikings. Well, we're willing to move up. We are thinking about quarterback because that's a position that's unsettled now. All kinds of motivation. It's just it's 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 these are just things that go yeah. through your head. Yeah. But at this point, yes, I'd be disappointed if they don't take Caleb Williams. I feel like they're set up to do it now and they're leaning toward it. It's gonna happen. The day I get a positive question from you is the day that I'm gonna be happy. That's the voice of Justin Fields. What did you make of Justin Fields' manager and Instagram feature of a shirtless player smiling, clapping, jumping around in celebration? of Ryan Poles addressing trading the player. Is he not in that gray area? Odds makers have installed his hometown Falcons as the favorite over the Steelers for Field's next destination. Well, he was happy. He, he you know, look, for a guy that's unfollowed the Bears, who's unfollowed the NFL, who is going on vacation and doesn't want to think about football, he apparently heard everything that was said. And, uh, and wanted to express this Mario Nunez is his manager and runs, I guess, his Instagram, and he posted a, a, a thing about going hometown or something. Didn't he write something like that on it? But you see Justin Fields, 
He's clapping. He's smiling. He jumps up and down. He's pumped up at the idea that either he's leaving the Bears or he's going to Atlanta, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, That was really – it was just interesting for a guy that has supposedly unplugged and doesn't want to be making a statement. That's a pretty strong statement of of excitement at the idea of of his uh, gray area ending. Yeah, and he was wearing gray sweatpants for what it's worth in the shirtless. Instagram video. He was shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> the quote, Mole, you're referencing is, you ready to go home, question mark? Right? He was being asked. That's definitely him. That's him. Ready to go home. Yeah. I, I mean, it's all it's all moving in a, in a direction that Justin Fields is no longer going to be QB1 of the Bears, unless Justin Fields is helping try to drive up that asking price no, for the Caleb Williams and, pick. And, and I, David, yeah, I'm right, just, right. I'm just, You're I'm playing, I'm playing around. It's a really interesting tactic that mm-hmm. that's been put out there for everybody. I mean, everybody's seeing it. Everybody's oh, yeah. consuming it. We just played you the audio. You're hearing it. Um, it, it's wild. I mean, but he also said right on the on the. St. Brown Brothers podcast, was it there that he said, like, going home isn't always the best idea? Yeah, he said his phone's going to be blowing up. He's going to be worried about A couple tickets, hundred tickets every week and things thing. like that. But I think that also might be the least of his worries if he's going to get an opportunity to be a starter for a team that he grew up, you know, rooting for. And speaking of the betting part of this, just really quick, some sports books have already taken this down. Mm-hmm. The, the the possibility of him going to the Falcons, you can't. It's certain depending on where you invest. What would be the reason for that? They they think they know it's a, like a done deal. So it's that far along. It's that far along. Yeah, I think that there's a sense when you talk to people uh, on the beat in Indy covering the Bears, and people talked to a couple of people yesterday who don't cover the Bears. The Bears trading Justin Fields feels imminent, and they're on Justin Fields' watch. It does feel like it's a matter of when, not if. And could be sooner rather than later. And this Instagram video uh, is odd just given the fact that it wasn't that long ago that he was telling us he was going to unplug and get away and not pay attention to anything going on with the Bears. And so. And I guess the video is not him reacting in real time. It's almost like a meme. It's a video it from last yeah. year that they're using under a, the guise it, it, of going it's home. a message it's a message yes. that they're sending it's a yes. message that they're sending that yes. he's pleased by this and it's certainly manipulating the uh the the medium to get your message across i find it uh, inconsistent with what he said last year or last week excuse me and this isn't the gray area this is black and white he's happy to be moving on there's no doubt about that if you trust what you see. If seeing's believing, Justin Fields is thrilled about moving on. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. All right, after the latest article by Crane Chicago Business, there's a suggestion that the Bears and the White Sox could or should work in conjunction with each other about the respective stadium projects. How feasible or realistic would you consider that? And what's the next headline in this quest? I think the next headline in this quest seems to be Sox, comma, Bears consider sharing sight, which to me is, is radical. It to me is, would be something that you, I never really considered, but I don't know where this is headed, and I didn't anticipate this development. 
I want to give give it the weight it deserves. Cranes has done a nice job of being in front of this story. And if they are suggesting or causing us to speculate that the White Sox and Bears should get together or might be discussing this kind of joint venture, I suppose we have to consider the, the alternative. I don't think it seems practical. I don't think it seems feasible. I think, in again, to, to reiterate, the Bears got into this process, began it because they wanted to own their own stadium. They wanted to make their own money without a landlord or a tenant or a co-tenant. So I don't know if it makes sense. From Jerry Reinsdorf's perspective, it is maybe more feasible or doable because he's done it before with the Blackhawks, and he, that has been wildly successful for him. So that is a, not as big of a leap to make, but I think for the Bears, doesn't make any sense to me. Well, my first question would be, is that big piece of land in Arlington Heights big enough, as we've seen in other cities, is it big enough to support two stadiums? With restaurants and bars kind of in between and a a natural outdoor grass space. Detroit style, where you have Comerica Park and Ford Field right there. Right. Is, is, Is that piece of land in Arlington... Big enough to support that? I, I, I don't. I, and I, I try to say is. I don't know. It is it, okay. I mean, I so if it so. is, I believe it is. If it is, this could make a bunch of sense because there is in the budget, there is earmarked dollars to support these kinds of projects, just not a billion dollars, right. right? So could the Bears still build their stadium, take part of the money from the state and the county and the city or whatever? And then the Sox do the same thing. But in the meantime, the Bears would be selling the Sox a portion of the investment they've already made up in Arlington Heights. Mm-hmm. And now you could really develop that 300 acres or whatever the number is. I mean, this could be wildly interesting, but I want to be consistent. I hate the idea of moving professional sports teams out of Downtown, it wouldn't work on yeah, the seventy eighth. Arlington, Arlington it, it Heights wouldn't work in Nashville. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, but if it could work yeah. in Arlington Heights, I could see two stadiums not like working together on a project that would also have restaurants and you know bars and outdoor spaces and a mall and a casino and multiple hotels or, or whatever it is. But so that might work. It'd be like the North Siders and the Northwest Siders. Yeah, right. Um, I, look, I, I think my headline, my headline would be Sox willing to let state slash bears pay for new stadium. <laughs> that would be what this would. I, listen, you want to talk about strange bedfellows, the Sox and the bears getting together to make a pitch about money. I, I mean, really, that makes zero sense. That just, I can't even see Kevin Warren and Jerry Reinsdorf sharing an elevator, let alone sitting at a board meeting and trying to top each other um, over whatever they're going to get regarding the money from the state. I get why the state would say, hey, why don't you guys move together and come in here with a, I get that. I just don't see how it's going to happen. And supposedly they've met, right? Didn't it, didn't the story say that they, the crane story said they've already met once? Weird. Just a real weird. I'd, I would like to know the circumstances of that meeting. I would like to know if that was just like a Zoom. Was it or, a Zoom? Yeah. Something like, or was it lunch? I, I don't know how long it would have lasted. See, I don't see how that would you work. You can have a meeting in your car on the phone. It just depends. I, 
So you'd have you'd have like the Bear Stadium there year round, a dome stadium that could host the Final Four and all that. And then during baseball season, you'd have the Sox with another stadium like out in the back part of it, and, and that would be for well, yeah, very similar okay. to Detroit. You, how, how close they are together in proximity, I would imagine that would be the model. If that, it's a lot of talk about another rendering. I want to see the renderings. Yeah. Uh, it, the, it, that's, a, that's a departure I, I, it's, it is, from what we expect. That might be a bridge too far. I think that it's, count it, it was surprising to read. It was. And, and hard to conceptualize. Yeah, it's really difficult to think about. But I'm, I'm sure Jerry, if he can get a billion from the Bears, a billion from the state, and, and maybe uh, put in about 50K, he might do it. <laughs> that might do it. All right. We got the extra point next. It's Molly and Hall on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the Extra Point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Today is February the 29th, 2024. This is, of course, a leap year. The last time February had 29 days, none of Chicago's current coaches or managers were employed in this city. How many of the current coaches or managers will still be in place by the next leap year in 2028? Any? And what new stadiums will be close to opening and where? February 29th, 2020, seems like an eternity ago. And there weren't any current coaches still employed or employed in Chicago yet, were there? Billy Donovan came in September that year, I think. Uh, to fast forward, to leap ahead, take a leap of faith, in four years, the only one I think is realistically going to have a chance to still be in Chicago would be Craig Council. He's got the contract. He's got the team. He's got the organization. I think Craig Council is the answer. I don't think, boy, it would be the shocker. The most surprising coach, if he were still here, would be Matt Eberflus. If Matt Eberflus were still here in 2028, that would mean something has gone really, really well with the drafting of Caleb Williams, and then they're on their way. That would be... Somewhat of a surprise because that would make him four more years after the first. That would, he'd be a, that'd be a long tenure for a Bears head coach. He'd be on his Lovey Smith track, but I think it will be won't be Pedro and it won't be probably Luke Richardson. <laughs> Blackhawks will be contending by then, I believe. If Pedro is here, I think the Blackhawks will be contending by then, but I think they will have moved on to a different coach. The losses will take their toll on Luke Richardson. So looking into my crystal ball. It's Craig Council with the perennially contending Chicago Cubs and the stadium project that will be ready and furthest along in February 29th in 2028. The new Bear Stadium, wherever it may be, but I would think it will be in Arlington Heights. So I'm going to agree with you on the stadium. I think it'll be the Bears. They'll definitely have something at least going up by that point. I don't know if they'll be in it yet, but they'll definitely have something going up and they'll have a, a new place to play, whether it's here in the city somewhere or uh, up in Arlington Heights. You know, something crazy would have to happen if Pedro Grafal was still the White Sox manager, and that's just, it is what it is. But if Caleb Williams is as good as advertised or as good as some people want him to be, then Matt Eberflus should still be the coach in four years. And why would you fire the guy unless they're so close? Unless they're so close that you're you're going you got your you know your B to A guy, you know they they lost in the NFC Championship and then they lost 
you know, and they right there. Okay, we got it. While we're on this rookie deal of Caleb Williams, we got to go get the best offensive mind that's available. Sorry, Matt. Thank you for everything, but you're just not good enough. Okay, but if Caleb Williams and now the Cubs, I, I would be shocked if if Craig Council isn't still the manager. <laughs> that would almost be as shocking as Pedro Grafol still being the manager. But Luke Richardson, right guy, right time. Connor Bedard. Why would you get rid of Luke Richardson? He's done everything and more than they've asked him to do, and I think everybody's on board with Connor Bedard. Four years is a long time. It is a long time. And it's Billy Donovan, time. I just think attrition, I think yeah. he, it, that would be I, – I don't see the Bulls doing anything in the next four years other than being mediocre. Months. Yeah, Matt Evers, who could have been fired this year. Sure. I mean, he sure. really could have. But, but you know, they gave him a stay of execution. I don't know how long that is. Patrick Fole is on borrowed time, uh, and and um, I don't see how they're going to get much better. Um, they're not getting any better, and I don't know how long he's got in him. Um, I That would be the guy I'd be most shocked. If in four years Pedro Grafol is here, that would stun me. That would be a lot more shocking than anything else because they could build the team around Eberflus. Um, I, I think that um, – I think that Billy Donovan, it's just he's been here a while and it's just not going to end well. And they're probably going to start tearing that thing up, you would hope, in the next year or so. Um, but I think I think Council will be here. I think he should be here. And I think they should have some success. And I think that um, Luke Richardson's really an interesting one to me because I don't know. I like what he's done thus far. You told me guys were booing him, which stunned me. They did not at, boo him. I was game. wrong. Oh, I you aired. were wrong. It, okay. it was Luke. It was Luke, and I, I we're felt saying for Luke. Luke. Okay. And, and I, yeah, it caught my attention because I was in a conversation okay. about Chelly and Kaner, and I heard something, and I thought, are those boos? Yeah. And it resonated with me, but they were Luke. Because Luke. You, you have to have respect, and I oh, think he's he has earned done, it. He's done a really good job thus <laughs> yeah. far. And I think that – I think he could definitely be here because I think they're not going to be that good next year, but starting the year after that, they could start getting good. Now, I, I don't know if, if you know, Kyle from Chicago wants to replace the coach or if they think he's doing a hell of a job. I think he's doing a hell of a job. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I think that the only hesitation on my part isn't because of the job that he's doing. It's because of the toll that it takes. And I just – four years – is a long time. That's fair. Especially when you've been here a couple already and they've been very difficult ones to get this thing going for the Blackhawks. I hope he's still here. Yeah, I do There's too. a lot to like about Luke Richardson. I hope Council's still here. After that, I could see <laughs> it's very unlikely that the other three guys are going to be. Yeah. That's a harder, That's a much harder concept show. to grasp. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and again, I think as we evaluate the coaches and all that, I mean, Craig Council – not only is probably the best at what he does in Chicago, but they gave him a lot of money and a lot of years. And I don't know that they're not going to get what they expect from him. He better be the best at what he does, not just in Chicago, but in the National League. Well, but I think when you start evaluating where the Cubs are and how they're going to get better, part of what they're planning on is him developing younger players. There's no doubt. And and, and that's, you know, how do they get better? They, they are – you could argue on paper whether they're better than they were a year ago. That's a even, good argument. Even with Bellinger back. It, it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a valid debate and point. So that but, means that the younger but, guys are getting better because the manager is going to be able to do stuff with them. Growth from the prospects, a little better starting pitching, 
and go from 83 to, say, 87 wins because of your guy in the dugout is going to give you that edge. And he uses the bullpen well. At least that's that, his reputation coming in. That's why he's here. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Struce. And, oh, after the, and after the Bulls suffered, 26 rebounds. It's 26 rebounds. 74. And a night after the Bulls had by far their worst loss of the season, they end a skid nearly two years in the making. Look at and the how love. about the Look love for, for Oni Rapatim as he helps off the bench for the Bulls to beat the Cavaliers for the first time in two years. Turkey, stand up. Stand up, Turkey. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. You don't need to know about a turkey or a thermometer to understand that the young man from Turkey ended up having uh, a heck of a performance for himself, scoring his first uh, NBA points, playing all of the overtime, hit a couple free throws late, got a hug from some teammates, and uh, made his Bulls debut OB. OB, yeah, did not expect to have two turkey Edel references no. in the same day. Yeah, one from Scott Boris, the other from Stacey King, and certainly the Turkish. What, what does, does he have a nickname yet besides I, OB? You know, he'll have to have another game. But that was, those were his first NBA points in his third NBA game. Who, who was the big center from Turkey? <laughs> the Bulls had the, ever they had mm. the they had the Turkish center, the giant. Uh, can't think of his name. He was here during the uh, Ashik Omer Ashik. Omer Ashik. Omer Ashik. Yeah, is he related? They're I, both from Turkey. I wonder. Totally different. I, I wonder uh, where he is these days. He was a very good defensive presence and rebounder. He was during the Thibodeau era, correct? Yeah, I, like I was at a game one time, and I was there with my wife and my daughter. I gotten this chance to be like a ball girl before the game, and so she was like waving at my wife and my wife gave her like this neat little wave and Omer Sheik like looks at my wife and gives her a, a neat little wave back it was hysterical he thought she was waving at him <laughs> that's funny he, he was a good guy to have around he made himself a lot of money too being yes he did a role player in the way that he was but this is owner out the team and he had 10 points and six boards and he came through in the clutch six six shooting guard getting an opportunity in the absence of Alex Caruso last night. Certainly the injuries to Patrick Williams and Zach Levine will open the door a little bit wider. You never know in the NBA. I mean, well, you look around the league, there are always examples of guys who take advantage of opportunities. They may be uh, – I, I think of – when I think of a guy like Batim watching last night, it made me think of the Miami Heat. Their or whole team. Their whole team is yeah. kind of guys like this who nobody expected to do anything. And then something about – them seizing the opportunity, doing something well, and building off of that. So he certainly has now a game to build off of. Ten points and a victory over the Cavaliers. Pretty good night. Um, yeah, I, here's the problem. Okay, so you, Alex Caruso has a hamstring. He didn't play last night. Apparently he, he tweaked his hamstring against, uh, in that horrible, loss to Detroit. And so now next up is tomorrow night, you've got the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Mm -hmm. So you got, 
you got, let's just go through the list. Patrick Williams is having season-ending foot surgery. We know that uh, that um, they are without um, – Tory Craig has a knee, I believe. Uh, Alex Caruso has a hammy. Will he be okay to play in that? I mean, who is going to be dealing with Omer – uh, not Omer Sheik. Who's going to be dealing with Giannis Antetokounmpo? Well, that's how a, do you defend him to the, begin with, and how do you defend him when you don't have a power forward? That's a challenge when you're forward? fully healthy. Exactly. It's even more of a problem when you're compromised. I don't think that you have an obvious Candidate. answer. Yeah. You may want to rough him up a little bit more. You want to be physical if you can. You've got those kind of guys. You You can do that with – Vooch and Drummond, but that's not a good matchup. Oh, no. I don't think that's that you – that, that's match. only when you're getting some of your 74 rebounds. You might want to throw an elbow <laughs> in the ribs. That's all I mean by that because you uh, want to make him feel a physical presence. But, Molly, there's no there, – there's nobody that qualifies for that job, and it's a thankless one. Somebody will have to do it. Io may get a shot. Who knows? Oh, my God. I, what, what else are you going to do? I don't know. I mean, this Caruso is Caruso better get healthy. Maybe it'll be Batim. Yeah. I don't know. Batim has some athleticism. He's a two-time slam dunk champion. Really? In the Turkish League All-Star Weekend. Yes. Oh, the Turkish League. Yeah. Tur- well, he's from Turkey. He Can't, played in the Turkish League. I'm just wondering. He didn't play in the CBA. And, and I, This is just a joke. Yeah. Don't get offended if you're Turkish. Do they dunk in Turkey in their league? In the dunk contest? Well, is it more of a layup drill? I don't know. I'm he, making a joke. He looked. He looked pretty. He looked. Just a visual. He looked the part, and he, the Bulls need somebody like this to emerge. They need somebody like this to step forward to give them something they didn't expect. Yeah. In the in the light of all of the injuries that you mentioned. And where the Bulls are at, they need someone like this to become an All Star. Okay. <laughs> it's not enough. Well, that's not realistic. To get a get. Well, thank you. Yeah. But His. Or uh, is it realistic to? think he's going to defend uh, Giannis, for God's sake. No, no, it's not probably going to be. A, it, it's it's just a challenge, and that's what I mean. So last night was fun. They beat the Cavs. You got the Bucks, and then you go on the road. Then you go on the road Here for four games, and that's going to be a challenge in itself when you're shorthanded. But where do they go? They, I, they end up um, out in – they play the Utah. I think they played in Utah, then the Clippers. Oh. Although the Lakers beat them. They go to Kings, Jazz, Warriors, Clippers. So it's a four-game road trip that, you know, you start in Sacramento, then you go to Utah, and then you end up uh, in California. So I don't know that that looks very appealing. The Clippers, since they got James Harden, one of the best teams in the league, the Warriors are who they are. Jazz and the Kings, teams you can compete with, but I don't know what this team is going to be on a night-in, night-out basis. That is who they have become. The unpredictables. Hmm. Uh, uh, excuse me. Let me just uh, get the pronunciation. Oneron, Onorel, Onorel Batim with 10.6 rebounds in 27 yep. minutes of his debut. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah, they needed it. They I'm needed every bit of it. just saying, they needed it. Yeah, they needed it. And, and with Batim emerging like that. It would have been nice to see something like that from a, a Julian Phillips or a Dalen Terry, somebody you drafted, somebody who wasn't such a surprise. But if this is somebody who 
can help the Bulls and his maturity is an asset, you, you only have 23 games left. You will take all that you can get to get through each and every night because it's a struggle. And you you can't be – it's not great that you're just going to be in the play-in round if that is, in fact, what the, the way this the, will end. But imagine the disgrace or the disappointment, however you want to term it, if they are on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, it, it, here's the thing. Like, Atlanta is behind them, right? Or they, They've got uh, – what's his name? Broke his finger. He's going to be out for a few weeks. This is an opportunity for the Bulls. They really need – Trey Young's kinda, out. Yeah. Trey Young's out for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got to do something. And, and I like the fact – that they won the game if for no other reason than hearing DeMar DeRozan say he was up till 6 in the morning trying to figure out how in the hell they lost to Detroit. It, it was that dispiriting a loss. And to have that happen and then to come back and win against a team you haven't beaten in the last seven times you played them, um, that's good. It's, it's good a good day to, to talk to Casey Johnson. And we'll do that next. Casey joins us next. Mully and Hall on the score.